Welcome to the Birth Prep Podcast. I'm Taylor, and I am here to help you prepare your mind, body, and team to best support you during your birth experience. Tuesday. Welcome back. So happy to have you. Today is my due date and I'm still pregnant. So bear with me. I'm probably going to be out of breath this whole episode, but I'll try my best to take pauses so it doesn't get too much. I have only ever been this pregnant one other time and it was with my first baby. I delivered very, very early morning on 40 weeks and two days. So we'll see how long Little Miss Penelope wants to stay in here in her cozy little home. I'm on her timeline. She can stay as long as she wants, um, but I do want to meet her soon, so I hope she decides to come soon. I'm ready to hold this sweet baby. But enough about that. Let's chat about some decisions that need to be made surrounding our birth experience. I think like two weeks ago, I did a podcast all about how to make a birth plan um, and just told you basically you need to go and figure out all the decisions that need to be made. I do have a guide for you guys, so I'm going to be taking all these things from that guide. These are all of the decisions that I could possibly gather up surrounding our birth in a typical, you know, healthy experience. Um, I know things can happen and complicate things and there's bigger decisions to be made, but um, we're going to cover all the basics and hopefully give you a nice jumpstart on creating that birth plan. Now your options for each of these decisions are obviously going to vary depending on your chosen birthplace, your provider, um, what your insurance covers, what you're willing and able to pay out of pocket for, etc. A lot of these decisions will probably just be you're either going to opt for it or you're not going to opt for it. Maybe you'll delay it, whatever the case may be. Um, But that is kind of the vibe of today. We're just going to go through these decisions. I think it's very important to sit down with each of these decisions, weigh the risks versus the benefits of each option that's available to you and make a decision that you feel is best to support the experience that you're trying to create, number one, and number two, the safety of yourself and your baby. If you want to grab the birth plan guide, it's free. You can download it to your phone, your computer, you can print it off, whatever you want to do with it. Um, I'm going to put it in the show notes for you guys, so make sure you grab that. I originally created this guide over two years ago because it would have changed everything for me with my first baby, and I wanted something that was going to be a huge resource to other mothers, and I wanted to give it away for free. It's been downloaded like 20,000 times or something. I've recently revamped it. So it has some more information in it, some more helpful tips and things like that. Um, So I would love for you to get your hands on it. Let me know what you think about it. If you want to shoot me an email, my inbox is always open. Really quick before we get started, a physical birth plan is not required of you. Honestly, if you're giving birth to the hospital and you're passing out your birth plan to everybody, they probably don't have time to read it. It's not part of their job. Uh, You should be having conversations well in advance. We talked about this in that episode that I was just talking about like two weeks ago. Um, having conversations, setting expectations, things like that need to happen in advance so that everybody's on the same page before you walk in that room. If you want a physical birth plan, that is totally fine. You can do that. Um, I put in a bunch of info, like your general information, health information, pregnancy info, just like a list of things that you might want to include in a physical birth plan if that's something you're going to opt for. Let's chat about some labor decisions. There are a lot of decisions to make surrounding your labor experience. While delivery may be the big anticipated moment. Labor is everything that leads up to that point. And it's absolutely something that you need to be preparing yourself for. And you should be preparing yourself for in my humble opinion. Um, But before making these decisions for yourself, try to envision that dream birth experience. If everything went exactly as you wanted, 
What would that look like? Like, how can you create that experience for yourself? Keep these questions in mind as you create your birth plan. First, we have your environment. And I just did a whole podcast about creating your ideal birth environment. But what does your ideal birth space look like? What does it include? Do you want the lights dimmed? Do you want a limited care staff? Make any requests known in advance. Um, Make accommodations for yourself. Bring anything you need to. All those fun things. Next up, we have comfort items. Think about what kind of comfort items you're going to want to bring or have, obviously, if you're just going to be at home. Um, Pillows, music, essential oils. uh, Those are some of the common things that mothers like to use during labor to help bring them more comfort. Next, we have your birth partner or birth partners, whatever your birth, whoever your birth team is. Um, This is a big decision to be made, okay? Do not take this lightly. I know everybody just, you know, defaults to the spouse, whatever, but you need to choose somebody who is willing and able to support you in the ways that you want to be supported. So who will be in your birth space with you? How will they help you? What are their duties? Do they know your birth plan? Are they prepared to advocate for you? If that's something that you want, um, you need to be asking these questions. You need to be preparing your birth partner. Um, I think I have an episode on that. I could be wrong. If not, I'm going to add it to the list. (laughs) The next decision is photography. Um, I highly suggest photos during your labor and delivery experience. Um, you don't have to hire somebody for this, but having somebody designated to snap a few photos, maybe a few videos, whatever the case may be. Um, even if you just have to ask a nurse like, hey, will you take some photos of this experience for me? Um, anything that you want done, like any certain photo ops uh, that you definitely want captured, like the cord cutting, delivery, um, baby's first cry, whatever it is, you know, um, make sure you tell that person, whoever you designate to take photos. Next, we have clothing. What is going to be the most comfortable thing for you during that experience? I mean, you might not know what the most comfortable thing is, but you can make a guess and choose to wear that. Um, If you're going to the hospital, they're going to offer you a hospital gown. Um, You don't have to wear it if you don't want to. You can wear a sports bra. You can be butt naked. You can bring your own gown. You can wear a big t-shirt. I wore like a t-shirt nightgown last time for my birth. Whatever you are going to be most comfortable in, comfort is key. So keep that in mind. Next, we have eating and drinking during your labor experience. Um, This is usually frowned upon in the hospital setting uh, because of your risk of aspirating if you needed to undergo an emergency C-section. But that risk is incredibly small. I want you to do the, the risks versus benefits for yourself, though. I want you to weigh those for yourself and make a decision that you feel really good about for this. But for me personally, when and if my body gets to the point where it's asking for fuel during my labor experience, I'm going to fuel it with what it needs. If that's something you might want to do, make sure you have a plan set up, supplies for it, obviously, food, water, drinks, whatever you want to do for that. Um, And I would also consider having something planned for after your birth too, especially if you're giving birth in the hospital. Um, I gave birth with my first baby at like one o'clock in the morning and everything was closed. The uh, cafeteria was closed. And I think steak and shake was like the only thing open. And it was honestly disgusting. That's not what a postpartum mama needed, like something a little more, um, you know, nutrient dense would have been a lot better for my recovering body. So make sure you have a plan for that. Next, we have monitoring. There are options for this. Your provider has a standard of care for how they monitor their patients. So ask that, what does that look like? And then go from there. Will you be opting for the way that they do things or will you want to do things differently? 
Most hospitals choose to do continual monitoring, which you are hooked up to machines and wires and things do it automatically. You know, the blood pressure cuff goes off every 30 minutes, blah, blah, blah. Um, but that can be really uncomfortable. And if it's not something that you want to implement in your birth experience, then ask about your different options. For me now, I choose intermediate monitoring and I would do so at the hospital as well if they were able to accommodate it for me. What that looks like for me personally is my midwife is checking baby's heart rate. Um, she's checking my blood pressure, um, things like that. We're just checking those things every so often. So I don't have any wires or cords or needles or anything hanging off of me because she's right there. She can check at any point in time. And I prefer that much more than the 17 wires and the having to unplug myself to pee and all that stuff that I had to do at the hospital. And not that I had to, I didn't know there were other options to ask for, and that was just their standard of care, and that is what I agreed to. Next, we have labor positions. What type of labor positions would you like to try? Make sure you're practicing with your birth partner. Um, I think that is an incredible thing that they can help you with, birth partners, whatever, your birth team, whoever is helping you with those things. Um, I love labor positions. They do lots of different things. They can help baby move and engage into the birth canal. Um, they can move things along. They can help with pain relief. There's lots of benefits to utilizing different labor positions. If you're not sure what you want to use yet, just make a list of things that you might want to try and make sure you're practicing them before delivery day so you know what you to try that day. Next, we have induction. If you are offered an induction, will you opt for one? Um, and then I furthermore, what methods are available for the induction process? This is very important. There are different medications that all have side effects and risks and benefits and all of the things. And you need to educate yourself on those before making a decision. Induction by definition is literally forcing your body and baby to do something it's not quite ready for yet. A lot of providers are offering elective inductions at 39 weeks. Um, that's like the new thing. Um, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I'm not your doctor. I do not know your experience. I do not know what you're going through. I do not know your medical reasons. I don't know any of those things. So weigh those risks versus the benefits apply to your specific situation and make a decision that you feel really good about. Inductions aren't inherently bad. I had two decent induction experiences. Um, they didn't fail. They weren't the worst things in the world. Um, but doing things naturally and letting my body do things on its own was obviously way better for me, but that was my personal experience. So I personally wouldn't opt for an induction, um, unless I got to like, I don't know, 43 weeks or something. Um, but that's just me personally. And that's a decision that I get to make for my experience and you get to make the decision that you want to make. Next up, we have pain management, and this is obviously a very well-known decision to be made. We have typical things like IV pain medication, um, epidural, laughing gas, etc. Ask your provider what options are available to you, and then you can kind of figure out what pain management methods you're open to trying. Even if you are planning on going unmedicated, Make sure you inform yourself on this stuff so that in the moment, if things aren't how you envisioned them or things aren't going as planned, whatever, you can make an informed decision then. I did not know the side effects of a pain management option that I chose with one of my children and it affected her. It affected her ability to be awake and eat after my birth experience and she suffered for quite a few weeks as a result because of it and that was my fault because I didn't know I didn't take the time to inform myself. So make sure you are informing yourself of everything, all of your options, even if you're not planning on choosing something like that. 
Next, we have cervical checks. Cervical checks are optional. Will you be opting for cervical checks during your labor experience? Um, do you understand how dilation, effacement, and baby station, do you understand how all that works, what it all means? Um, it's important if you are opting for cervical checks to understand that and kind of know what that's for, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't opt for cervical checks anymore. I hated them, uh, especially during my labor experience. Um, they just tell you how dilated you are in that moment. Obviously it's helpful to have them if you want to see if you're progressing curiosity's sake. Um, but it doesn't really do anything and your body will tell you when you're ready to push for the most part. Um, they can obviously verify that with a cervical check at that point, if you would like them to, uh, maybe you feel like you're ready to push, but maybe your body's just not ready. And, and you know, whatever the case may be, you can opt for those or not. Um, just make sure you're informed on why they do them, how they do them before opting for that. Next, we have rupturing your waters. Um, will you be opting for manually rupturing your bag of waters or will you be leaving them intact until they break on their own? Um, this is often used to help speed things along when they uh, manually rupture your bag of waters. Um, but it's not something that you have to opt for with my last baby. My goal was to keep my waters intact for as long as possible. And they did not break until I was pushing. Like I was, they were broken for maybe two to three minutes before baby was earth side. And there are benefits to this. The uterus has more to, um, contract down on, um, things like that. But breaking them kind of signals your body's like, Hey, we need to ramp up the contractions because this baby needs to come out because now we're on a time crunch. Um, but that doesn't always work. And then once your waters are ruptured, then that opens up, you know, the risk of infection and things like that. So there are pros and cons to both options. Um, just whatever you think is best, but make sure you're educating yourself on this. Next up, we have an IV port um, and furthermore fluids. If you're opting for fluids, um, IV port is great to be placed in case of emergencies at the hospital. I think that's a great thing because there's not somebody sitting there with you the entire time like I have at home. Um, so I don't have an IV port sitting at home, but I, I would opt for one at the hospital. But you don't have to. You have the option to not. Weigh the risks and benefits and make a decision that you feel good about. Will you be opting for IV fluids during your labor experience? Um, there's a lot of great articles on this. Uh, there's not a ton of evidence that shows that it does anything good or bad or whatever. Um, I choose to personally fuel my body with actual fluids versus artificial ones. Um, that's something you might want to do too. You don't have to opt for fluids, but some providers do offer it as standard of care. Next, we have natural pain relief. Um, there are lots of different techniques that you can try to help you naturally relieve your pain. We've got labor positions. There's like that little handy dandy comb trick, um, different like, uh, you know, meditation, blah, blah, blah. I did a whole episode on this, I think, like seven things to help cope with the pain of labor and delivery, something like that. Um, it's in there. It's, it's a good one. Um, but there's some things that you can try if you'd like to, uh, make sure you are talking about those with your partner. Make sure if you need help with them or any supplies for them that you are bringing those or having those on hand, um, and just give that some thought and see what kind of pain management techniques you want to have to try or to implement during your experience. That is it for labor decisions. I know that was a lot. Bear with me. Uh, the next few categories should be a lot shorter and faster. Um, next up is delivery decisions. Let's dive in. First, we have episiotomy. Um, these aren't routinely done anymore. These used to be like standard of care, which thank the Lord that they're not anymore. Um, most of the time you will naturally tear if needed. 
Um, but furthermore, I wanted to talk about doctors or providers in general putting their hands down there during that time. This is something that you can tell them to stay, like stay out of things. When I went back and looked at photos and videos from my first birth experience, like there was a whole hand up in there trying to get baby out um, because they have, you know, the standard of you, we got to get baby out in one push. Um, once the head comes out, we got to get the whole baby out. And oof, I just unnecessary tearing for myself uh, for sure during my first couple birth experiences. And I think a part of that was because there were hands up in a space where they or shouldn't be. Um, and that's something that you might want to set an expectation, say, Hey, I don't want that. Or, Hey, I'm okay with that. Whatever the case may be. Um, they don't really tell you, I didn't feel it. I was pushing a baby out. It all kind of hurt and burned and I didn't know what was going on. I couldn't see just something to keep in mind to educate yourself on and to inform yourself on, um, why they do the things that they do. And if it's something that you're going to want to opt for in your birth experience or not. Next, we have delivery positions. There are several different birthing positions available out there. The standard of care for most hospitals is unfortunately lying on your back. There is very little evidence that says that that is a good position to birth in. Um, gravity is very much against you, and it kind of puts your pelvis in a position that it doesn't need to be in. Um, so there are lots of different options here. Make sure that you are looking into those, deciding which one you might want to implement, maybe a few that you might want to try, whatever is going to feel most comfortable or best during that experience. Um, even if you have an epidural, there are other delivery positions that you can get into other than lying on your back. If you are most comfortable on your back, that is okay. I want you to make this decision, not anybody else making it for you. That's why I talk about this because this is a common decision that is just made for us. Okay, guys, time to get on your back. Um, they did this to me with every one of my children, but the last one I had at the hospital, I really tried to fight them on it and they would not take no for an answer. They made me get on my back while my baby was crowning. And that was literally the moment when I decided I would never do birth like this again. It showed me that my chosen providers for those birth experiences that I had had did not have my best interest at heart. They were concerned about what was easiest for them. And that was obviously not something I ever wanted again in my birth space because I was the customer. I was the person giving birth. I was the one who should have been calling the shots. And now I do things much differently. And now I teach people that, hey, you don't have to do things the way that they're telling you you have to do things. Um, so that was kind of like the beginning of all that. <laughs> Next, we have catching baby. Typically, if you're in a hospital, the doctor, OBGYN, whatever, is going to be catching the baby. Um, but that doesn't have to necessarily be the case. Um, do you have somebody designated uh, to catch the baby? Do you have somebody to be a backup catcher just in case for whatever reason? Um, and is everybody aware of your wishes? Ask yourself those questions. Pushing. This one is very important. You're like, oh, well, I don't have to push. No, you do have to push. Unfortunately, if you're having a vaginal birth, pushing is required. Um, well, it's not necessarily required because there is such thing as fetal ejection response. I have never experienced that before. Um, it is your body like pushing on its own. So pushing does still happen, but it's not like you're actually pushing. But there are some things that you do not have to opt for, like coached pushing or having somebody tell you when it's time to push, um, like waiting for a cervical check before you begin pushing, or maybe you're just going to wait for your body's natural urge. Um, coached pushing is like 
where they're counting for you and you're holding your breath. And there's a lot of evidence that says that's not great. But if you feel comfortable having somebody do that for you, that's totally an option. When I'm pushing, I like the room to be nice and silent because I am focused on my breath work. I am focused on what my body is doing. I'm trying to go inward. I'm trying not to focus on the things around me, but focus on what my body is doing and try to really support my body during that. Because again, your body will push your baby out. So you can look into the different options here and make some decisions that you feel really good about for yourself. Maybe you can read other birth stories, other experiences, watch some videos, whatever the case may be, and get an idea for what you might want um, that experience to look like for you. Crowning. When baby is crowning, would you like a mirror to see the baby crowning? Would you like to reach down and feel? Would you like to be the one to catch your baby? Um, there's, you know, make sure somebody is prepared to snap a pic if you want one. Um, there's some decisions to be made here. Uh, just give that some thought. Whatever you want to do for your experience, it's totally up to you. If you do want to look yourself, make sure that you bring a mirror to the hospital if that's where you're having your baby or your birth center or make sure that they're going to have one for you available. Next, we have things like the forceps or the vacuum, things to basically help get baby out if needed. These things are not um, really utilized as often as they used to be. Um, they're definitely used as like last resort type vibes. But if this is something that you want to opt out of completely, make sure you are informing yourself on these different interventions and uh, you know, kind of play out what scenarios you would opt for them to be utilized, things like that. Next, we have gender reveal. If you don't know the gender of your baby, um, this is obviously a huge moment of figuring that out. We did that with our last baby. Um, we did not do that again this time. There were things that I loved about it, but there were also things that I did not like um, about not knowing that whole time and things like that. So mostly like I didn't, I had two names picked out, but wasn't getting two babies. And that was very hard for my brain to understand because it was supposed to be our last baby. And I was very attached to both names and very like wanting both. We get to use the other name this time. So I'm very excited for that. But um, it was hard for me to not know. So we opted to find out this time and we found out very early this time too. So if you don't know, make sure you have everybody on the same page for how you want to figure that out that day. I wanted to look for myself. So I got to do that. I got to be the one to announce it to everybody, show everybody, whatever the case may be. Um, maybe you want your partner to tell you, maybe you want your provider to announce it to the room, uh, whatever you want to do. It's your experience. Make sure you have everybody on the same page though. And lastly, we have cesarean section. Um, these are usually only performed when medically necessary, um, but in some cases you are given the chance to opt for one, um, especially if you have had a, a C-section in the past and you're opting for a repeat, um, things like that. I strongly suggest you educate yourself about C-sections and your options for C-sections, even if you plan on delivering vaginally. Some common decisions that need to be made for C-sections would be using restraints or going restraint-free. Um, a clear, solid, or lower drape situation when baby is being birthed, um, the slow exit of baby. I know a lot of people like to implement that if possible, where they pull baby out slowly like a, to kind of imitate that pushing sensation for baby. Delaying the delivery of the placenta um, like it would be in a natural birth experience. Catching baby who is on catching baby duty, um, pain management options, like what are the different options that are available to you. Obviously, if it's an emergency, um, general anesthesia is commonly used, um, but otherwise you do have like epidural, spinal tap, things like that. There are options there. And then 
afterwards you have like staples or stitches. Um, I know they, they obviously stitch all the inner linings, but that last one, they usually use staples cause it's just easier and faster and whatever. Um, but you can opt for stitches instead if that's something you'd like. I've heard that that heals better. I don't have any cesarean section experience, but these are things that you should educate yourself on. Even if you are giving birth vaginally or planning on, this is important information to have. Next, we have postpartum decisions, and there aren't a ton of postpartum decisions to make surrounding your birth and your afterbirth experience. Um, so how about just a quick little postpartum pep talk? Take it or leave it. <laughs> Show yourself grace during the season of your life. Um, this is a huge transition, even if this baby is not your first. And I know you're going to do the best with the information and the resources that you have available to you. So believe that in your soul that you are going to do your very best. Um, with what you've got, right? Okay. So don't beat yourself up about anything. Don't think you can be doing better. Don't think you should be doing better. Uh, your body is amazing. Speak kindly to her. Take good care of her too. Um, ask for help when and if you need it. Outsource whatever you can. Oh my gosh. Um, grocery delivery is the best, especially during moments like these. Um, find real life or online friends who get it and are there for you with a listening ear. Advice if you want or need it. And just know that you've got this. Okay. Just a little, a little pep talk from me to you. <laughs> I am about to enter a new postpartum experience and um, there's a part of me that's like, Ugh, I'm not ready for this, but I know that I'm going to do the best that I can with what I've got and what this season of life brings is out of my control and I'm going to do my best to show up for myself and for the people that need me um, in the capacity that I have, right? It's important to realize that we are not what we normally are. And we are in a healing season of life and that is okay. It's okay to take things slower. It's okay if the dishes don't get done. It's okay if things feel a little out of control sometimes. So, um, but let's talk about these few decisions that need to be made. First, we have pain management. Will you be opting for postpartum pain management? If so, what are your options? What's available to you? What kind are you going to be opting for? Make sure you are thinking about that stuff in advance. Make sure you bring anything that you might need, etc. Next, we have stitches. Most stitches now are dissolvable, um, but you might have other options. You also have options for the use of local anesthesia or like numbing agents that they use during the stitching process. Um, you can ask about those in advance to make sure that you are informed and making an informed decision for yourself for that. Last time I had a very, very small, tiny little superficial tear and I opted for no stitches. It was an option, right? And it was great. I loved not getting stitches and it healed very, very quickly. So you might literally have the option of opting for stitches or not like I did. Next, we have clothing. Wear something super comfy after you get all cleaned up. Um, I usually opt for some nice, soft, loose black leggings. Um, they're just, or maybe like a nightgown, whatever, robe, whatever kind of vibe you want to do. Just something very comfortable, something that's easy to navigate. Honestly, pants might not be the easiest thing depending on how your birth experience went pulling those up and down might be really hard. Um, so make sure that you are keeping that in mind. Make sure you bring a couple options if you are giving birth outside of your home and whatever is going to be most comfortable for you. I think you should choose that. Next, we have cord blood, which there is the option to save or donate your baby's cord blood by banking it. Um, this isn't something that you have to do. I personally like to keep the cord attached so my baby gets that blood because it's their blood. Um, but that's a personal decision that I've made after looking into things. And it's an option that you have to, we'll talk more about it in just a second, uh, when we talk about newborn decisions, but 
that's something that might be an option for you, uh, make sure you're looking into that and understanding why or why not you might want to do that. With like every one of my babies that I had in the hospital, they gave me like a whole pamphlet on it and things like that. And I didn't really know it was an option until going into that experience. Um, and it was something that I never opted for, but something that you might want to. Next, you have your placenta. Would you like assistance in delivering your placenta? If so, at what point um, do you want to see it? Do you want to save it? Do you want to take it home? Make all your plans known well in advance so that your wishes are honored that day. That's your organ and you have the right to it if you want to keep it. For the most part, a few minutes after the delivery of your baby, your placenta will detach and then you will deliver it during a contraction. Um, but sometimes you might need or want assistance in delivering that placenta, um, especially if there's a lot of bleeding going on, things like that, that might change the game a little bit. So just make sure you're informed to make an a decision in the moment. Next, we're going to quickly chat about visitors and visitors are not often included is part of the birth plan. Um, but I think it's incredibly important for everyone to be on the same page about this, um, which is why I'm including it. <laughs> so set some expectations and some boundaries with your loved ones in advance. Do not be afraid to be selfish with those first few hours, days, weeks, whatever the case may be, if that's what you want. Um, this is your experience and I want you guys to have the experience that you want and deserve. Um, so just some questions to maybe ask yourself, is there anyone that isn't welcome? Um, are you allowing photos and videos? Are you allowing them to post them on social media? Blah, blah, blah. Um, would you like visitors to wait until you contact them? Would you like them to just show up? Whatever. Um, not recommended in my personal opinion, but <laughs> no, whatever you want to do. Um, are there any rules like no smoking beforehand? Um, make sure they are washing their hands, things like that. Make sure you make sure they know all the rules. Um, and then, yeah, you have lots of options here. You get to create your desired experience, but just let your family and friends know about your wishes in advance. Um, and people might have their feelings hurt and that's okay. We aren't here to make everybody happy. We're here to make ourselves happy, right? Amen. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. That's just like my, like my vibe at this point. <laughs> my boundaries were constantly stepped on and crossed and all that stuff with my first few kids. Um, so now a lot of people just get a picture after baby is born and say, hey, we'll be ready for visitors and, you know, about a week. We'll let you know kind of deal. Um, that's just how we personally like to do things for our family dynamic and the way that things have gone in the past. Um, but make a decision that you feel good about. Next, we have newborn decisions. You have decisions to make for that new little life now, and they can be equally exciting and terrifying. Um, so we're going to chat about some different things for procedures and newborn care possibilities for newborns um, that you can look into these things beforehand and you can weigh the risks versus the benefits for each option. Um, and you can opt for none or all or anything in between. These are your decisions to make. And if you are not the one making these decisions, someone else is making them for you. So I strongly suggest you educate yourself on these things because you are making these decisions for another life now. And that is not to be taken lightly. So for newborn procedures, first up, we have the hepatitis B vaccine. Will you be opting for this? Will you be opting out? Will you be delaying this vaccine? Um, this is up to you. Uh, vitamin K injection is next. Will you be opting in or out of this injection? Um, some people choose to opt for oral vitamin K instead. That's an option too. Um, again, educate yourself, make a decision you feel good about circumcision. Uh, if you have a little baby boy, will he be circumcised? Who will be performing the procedure? When will they be performing the procedure and where, um, what does the aftercare look like? Make sure you're looking into that before making that decision. Um, look into the risks and benefits of this. This is a surgery. Then we have some options for the cord. 
who will be cutting the cord? Will you be delaying the cord clamping process? Um, make your wishes known in advance so that everybody's on the same page. Um, and then we also have that eye ointment that they use. Um, is this something that you want your child to receive? Um, it's like a medicated eye ointment that is often standard of care. Put on the newborn's eyes to help prevent infection from um, obviously passing through your genitals. Um, so let, you know, inform yourself on this and make a decision you feel good about. And then next we have newborn care. So that would be like things like feeding and pacifiers, diapering, things like that. So feeding, will you be breastfeeding, bottle feeding, breast milk, or formula feeding? You can choose a combination of these things. There's no right way to feed your baby, but just make sure that you know what you're going to want to try and make sure you're set up for success, whatever that looks like for you. Pacifier use. Do you want your baby to use a pacifier while you are in the hospital or the birth center? Um, this is really important to know if you are putting your baby in someone else's care. Um, if you have, you know, a nursery type setting at your hospital or birth center, um, maybe you've hired a postpartum doula, whatever the case may be, make sure they know your wants and wishes on pacifier use. Some people do not want to opt for it because it can lead to nipple confusion with breastfeeding. Um, but I think that it's important to listen to your baby. If this is something that you want to implement, make sure that baby is still doing okay. Baby's still latching okay, fine after using a pacifier. And if they're not, then just stop the pacifier use and then work on that breast uh, latch again. And this is something that you can fix, but just make sure you're listening to your baby. Next, we have diapering. And a lot of birth places provide diapers for you, diapers and wipes. Um, so if you're choosing to opt for those, do that. If you don't want to use those for whatever reason, you can bring your own. Um, we'll be using cloth diapers this time from day one. This is something we've never done before. I'm excited about it. So you have options here. Just make sure that you have a plan set up and have all the supplies that are needed for whatever you choose. Next, we have baby's first bath. This is something that's typically done in the hospital as standard of care, you know, usually after like 24 hours. Um, a lot of people choose to delay that first bath at least for 24 hours. I waited like almost a month last time, I think. Um, there are great benefits to delaying it, but that might not be something that you want to do um, for whatever reason. But make sure you make your wishes known in advance. Um, if there's like a certain soap that you want them to use, make sure you bring it. Um, maybe you're going to opt out and do that at home when you get back to your space. Whatever you want to do, you have options here. Next are photos. Um, same kind of thing for the labor and delivery photos. You don't have to have somebody hired to take photos, but like just make sure you have a plan. Make sure you have a little list of any photo ops that you want to get with baby um, make sure you bring any props that you need, any special outfits, blankets, whatever the case may be. Um, make sure you're preparing for that. If you are, you know, delivering outside of your home, especially you got to make sure you bring those things with you. If you want to get those photos within the first 24 or 48 hours. Um, and then if you are hiring somebody, make sure that you guys have conversations about what you want and things like that. And finally, we have skin to skin. Skin to skin is great. There, this is standard of care in most birthplaces now where you spend some skin to skin time during that golden hour, usually try to attempt breastfeeding during that hour as well. If that's something that you're going to implement, um, and it just helps with bonding, it helps, uh, your body start to kind of say, Hey, baby is here, you know, it helps your milk come in, things like that. Um, this is also a great benefit for daddy too. If that's something you want to implement, um, my husband loves skin to skin with the babies. Like he loves it. And I think it's great to implement if that's something you want to do, uh, make sure that your wishes are known and you can do this at any point in time. It doesn't have to be during that golden hour. You can do skin to skin anytime and still reap the benefits. Oof, that is 
it. That's all the decisions. <laughs> that was a lot. And I know this is an extra long episode and I'm sorry. I try to keep them bite-sized, uh, but I think this is very important information to have. And again, I stuck it all in the free guide for you so you guys can download it and have a physical copy of it um, and not have to like sit here for 40 minutes and take notes. <laughs> but um, this was fun. I really enjoyed talking with you guys about this today. I think it's very important to make all of these decisions in advance. Obviously, things happen and things don't always go according to the plan, but sitting down with each of these decisions that need to be made, figuring out what options are available to you, weighing the risks versus the benefits, it has so many benefits to making a birth plan, right? Because then in the moment, if things don't go accordingly, then you can make a better decision for that moment, you know, whatever that, whatever that moment is bringing to you. And you can make it from an informed place and not just somebody telling you, Hey, we're going to do this because this is happening. And they're like, um, actually I'm informed. We're going to not do that. Or yeah, I'm totally on board with that. And I like my decisions for doing so, whatever that looks like. Right. So I think there are so many benefits in doing this work and I'm happy to share this with you today. Next week, I'm hoping to share my birth story, but we'll see. I have some backup plans if not. So um, I'm very excited for this upcoming birth. Uh, keep me in your thoughts if you would. We cannot wait for her, obviously, but it could still be a couple more weeks, um, which doesn't sound great because I'm kind of sick of being pregnant this time. And usually I'm like, no, don't end. I want to stay pregnant forever. But this time I'm just like, I am so ready for her. <laughs> I'm trying my best to be patient. I know she's going to come at the perfect time and she will be absolutely wonderful when she gets here. And I cannot wait to squish that little baby. But anyways, I'm excited for you guys. Happy prepping as always. If you grab the birth plan guide, I hope it serves you well. This is such important work to do and I applaud you for doing it. Talk to you soon.